Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the July 14, 2023 Friday reading of the Ark Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. Today we will be reading the following main articles, Let the Sunshine In, How Colorado Sunshine Laws Protect Democracy, written by Jan Wundra. Update on Conditions at the Salida's Whitewater Park, written by Ark Valley Voice staff. EDC event to focus on understanding change in Chafee County, written by Jan Wundra and bipartisan bill introduced to address the mental health implications of school lockdown and active shooter safety drills, written by Arc Valley Voice staff. Buena Vista Board of Education hears public comment on BVEA, written by Carly Winchell, and following up with miscellaneous articles. We begin with the first article, Let the Sunshine In, How Colorado Sunshine Laws Protect Democracy. This posted by Jan Wundra. Transparency, a hallmark of democracy. Democracy is government of the people, by the people, and for the people. In this democracy, we choose our leaders elected in local elections. The decisions and actions they take on our behalf and for the public welfare are to be openly introduced, debated in the public forum, and decided upon in a public vote with adequate legal notice of their intent to take up the topic. Lately, as Arc Valley Voice AVV reporters have been covering local meetings, we have seen repeated instances in which public boards have violated Colorado's open meetings law. It is heartening that these obvious infractions did not occur in our county and municipal government processes, but in non-governmental or quasi-governmental boards. But that doesn't excuse these boards. Infractions of what are called Colorado Sunshine Laws have been locally observed in hospital boards, school boards, and in a multi-jurisdictional authority. For a meeting to be subject to the Sunshine Law, there must be a demonstrated link between the content of the meeting and some policy-making responsibilities of the public body. Source, Board of County Commissioners of Castilla County versus Castilla County Conservancy District, Colorado Supreme Court, 2004. While journalists have a traditional watchdog role, think of the word democracy as a verb, a commitment we all must practice to remain a democracy. The fact is, all Americans have a civic responsibility to fulfill our citizenship obligations, and that includes holding our leaders accountable. But it's hard to fulfill that democratic role if one is unsure what he or she should be seeing. While this is by no means all-inclusive, below is a short primer on how this is supposed to work. Sunshine Laws Cover Governance at All Levels Colorado statutes covering how decisions and votes are to be done are referred to as Sunshine Laws, and they cover everything from the conduct for open meetings to election committees, reporting election expenditures. 
Colorado's Freedom of Information Act, which protects journalists and the public trying to get information which should be made publicly available. There are actually several laws covering democratic processes. They include the Colorado Open Records Act, the Colorado Criminal Justice Records Act, the Colorado Open Meetings Law, and access to judicial branch records. They also define the reporter's shield law, cameras in the courtroom, juvenile records and proceedings, as well as guidelines on using the Federal Freedom of Information Act. As explained by the Colorado Freedom of Information Coalition, the Colorado Open Meetings Law, COML, or Sunshine Law, was formally passed in 1972. It originally applied only to the General Assembly and state agencies. A separate law applied to local government meetings until 1991, when the legislature combined the statutes into one law. When it did so, it retained some differences between the requirements for state public bodies and those for local public bodies. How the Sunshine Laws Apply to Local Open Meetings An important component of the state's Sunshine Laws is its focus on open meetings law. These are state statutes designed to ensure the proceedings of local governments, non-governmental boards, and the proceedings of publicly elected non-government boards, committees, and organizations make their decisions in the light of day, so to speak. Per Colorado Sunshine Laws, the Open Meetings Law covers all boards, committees, commissions, authorities, and other advisory, policymaking, rulemaking, or other formally constituted bodies, as well as any public or private entities that have been delegated governmental decision-making functions by a public body or official. Administrative staff meetings are not subject to the law. CRS Section 24-6-402, Subsection 1. Here are just a few of the legal requirements of Colorado Open Meetings Law as it relates to local governance. Local public bodies include the boards and commissions of all political subdivisions of the state, including counties, cities, towns, home rule cities, school districts, special districts, metropolitan districts, and the regional transportation district. CRS Section 24-6-402, Subsection 1, Subsection A, Subsection L. Public meetings must be properly noticed in a full and timely manner in the designated communications vehicles, giving the public adequate time to prepare to attend. There are other special requirements of local school boards in a separate statute. CRS Section 22-32-108. Local public bodies must open meetings of a quorum of three or more members, whichever is fewer, at which public business is discussed or formal action may be taken. CRS Section 24-6-402, Subsection 2B. Public meetings require agendas that list the topics that will be discussed in that session, and materials being reviewed in a meeting must be made available to the public. Before making decisions with public impact, councils and boards must hold public hearings, allowing citizens who wish to voice their opinions to speak. There is normally a three-minute rule for public comments comments during these open sessions. 
Materials related to meeting topics of discussion and public hearings, including letters to town councils, trustees, commissioners, and quasi-governmental and non-governmental board members, need to be available on request, per the Colorado Open Records Act, CORA. These days, most materials are filed digitally, and digital is how they are provided, with a cost after the first hour of staff time required to prepare them. Minutes of public meetings must be kept and available for distribution promptly. If an executive session will be held, it must be publicly noticed, and the description of the executive session must include the statute under which it is being called and the general topic or issue of the session. The particular matter to be discussed must be announced to the public with as much specificity as possible without compromising the reason for the executive session. The legal basis, statutory provision, for the executive session must be publicly announced as well prior to the public body voting in public to go into executive session. The city or town council, county commissioners, quasi-governmental board, non-government board, or committee calling the executive session must inform the public and the news media if they anticipate that they expect to make any decisions during the executive session that would have them coming out of an executive session to take any votes. Appointments and openings for boards or committee positions must be communicated to the public so that anyone interested can apply to be considered for an appointment. If a finalist or semi-finalist for a government staff position or executive director position or board position has been selected, adequate notice of this information is to be shared with the public, fulfilling the requirement of a transparent, fair, and unbiased selection. Bids for any government contract must be reviewed in a public meeting before being awarded. Email and text communications. These days, modern electronic communications can cloud the interpretation of Colorado open meeting laws, which point out, members of boards and commissions risk violating the open meetings law when three or more for a local public body use email or text messaging to discuss public business, either in a single transmission or in succession. Such electronic conversations are inherently closed because there may be no way to provide advance notice and allow the public to attend and observe the meeting. The messages, however, may be subject to disclosure under the Colorado Open Records Act. Two members of a local board, unless two constitutes a quorum, may email each other about public business with no concerns. The messaging becomes a public meeting if one of those board members forwards the email to a third member. This is by no means a complete list of local open meeting laws, but it reinforces this point. It is our responsibility as citizens to hold our leadership not just accountable for their decisions on our behalf, but accountable for the transparent process used to make those decisions. For the first time, the Colorado Freedom of Information Coalition's Sunshine Laws Guide is online, newly updated and searchable and indexed by topic, with links to pertinent statutes. That story, Let the Sunshine In, How Colorado Sunshine Laws Protect Democracy.
And next up, update on conditions at the Salida's Whitewater Park. This posted by Arc Valley Voice staff, dateline July 13, 2023. When the Scout Wave River boarding area on the Arkansas River in Salida opened and tweaks were made, it became what many called an awesome river wave. Then the spring runoff hit and it became a vicious maelstrom and adjustments had to be made for safety reasons. Due to recent minor temporary modifications, current conditions at the Scout Wave are characterized by a green wave followed by a secondary feature. At this lower flow, the high-flow boater bypass on the river left is not available. The recent work also included cleanup and restoration in the river. As river flows continue to drop this summer and fall, the river power at the feature will decrease. Standard whitewater safety equipment, knowledge, and scouting is always strongly recommended. According to a recent press release from the city of Salida, a permanent maintenance project is proposed at the Scout Wave for the winter of 2023. The maintenance project will incorporate structure and bank modifications that are intended to improve boater passage, particularly at high flows. That story update on conditions at the Salida's Whitewater Park. And also in the news, EDC event to focus on understanding change in Chafee County. This posted by Jan Wondra. The Chafee County Economic Development Corporation, EDC, has organized a special event focused on the growth and change occurring in Chafee County, as it is across the state of Colorado. The event is set for 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Tuesday, July 25th, at the Salida Scout Hut, located at 210 East Sackett, Salida. Event speaker Elizabeth Garner is the Colorado State Demographer with the Department of Local Affairs, D-O-L-A, an agency focused on strengthening the capacity of Colorado's communities and local governments. Whether your family has been here for generations or you've only been here months or years, residents can see and feel that Chafee County is changing. Making sense of these changes and preparing for the future, however, requires more than a gut feel. It requires an understanding of the data behind the changes. In our case as a community, population and economic data tell an amazing story of where we've been and where we're going. This is the next installment of the EDC's Quarterly Insights Speaker Series, all sponsored by TBK Bank. This event is an opportunity to learn about the data that are driving the changes that county residents are seeing and feeling. Attendees will hear about emerging trends in aging, migration, the changing nature of work, and how amenity-rich areas like Colorado's Central Mountains have been and are projected to continue evolving. Garner leads the Colorado Demography Office, which produces population and economic estimates and forecasts for use by state agencies and local governments, which are also valuable to businesses of all sizes and industries. She has more than 25 years of experience analyzing population and economic trends in the state, and her current areas of research include aging in Colorado, characteristics of migration, and poverty. 
She is an economist, receiving her B.A. in business at the University of San Diego and her master's in agricultural and resource economics at Colorado State University. Garner is also a Colorado native, something only 43% of the state's current population can claim. You can register at this link, https colon slash slash www.eventbrite.com slash e slash edc hyphen insight hyphen series hyphen w hyphen elizabeth hyphen garner hyphen state hyphen demographer hyphen tickets hyphen six seven five four one zero seven eight zero eight two seven that story edc event to focus on understanding change in chafee county also in the news bipartisan bill introduced to address the mental health implications of school lockdown and active shooter safety drills this posted by Arc Valley Voice staff. Today, Representatives Peterson and a bipartisan group of legislators introduced a bipartisan bill to address mental health impacts of school safety drills. The legislation comes during Gun Violence Awareness Month and in response to record levels of gun violence in schools. The bill is introduced against this backdrop. School lockdown and active shooter safety drills, which are practiced by 95% of schools across the United States. The Bipartisan School Safety Drill Research Act was introduced by U.S. Congresswoman Brittany Peterson, Democrat Colorado, alongside Representatives Brian Fitzpatrick, Rep. Republican Pennsylvania, Nancy Mace, Republican South Carolina, and Jared Moskowitz, Democrat Florida. It would provide K-12 schools with evidence-backed, standardized recommendations for conducting effective drills while protecting the mental well-being of students, parents, teachers, and school personnel. I was in the 11th grade at a neighboring high school during the Columbine Massacre. Our community knows all too well the pain and trauma school shootings and their aftermath caused to the students, parents, and teachers involved, as well as the entire community, said Peterson. While it is crucial to prioritize the safety and preparedness of our schools, we must also consider the mental health implications of these drills, she added. I'm proud to introduce this bipartisan legislation to ensure active shooter and lockdown drills are effective, safe, and prioritize the well-being of our kids. School safety drills have become a universal part of American children's school experience. At least 40 states set a required quota for how many lockdown drills schools must complete in a year. This practice underscores the need for increased school safety and preparedness, especially related to gun violence incidents, which have affected more than 352,000 students since Columbine. However, limited guidance or standardized best practices on these drills and their impact on the mental health of our school communities are not widely available. Preparing our students, 
parents, and educators for a crisis or emergency is essential to school community safety. While we encourage our schools to conduct lockdown and active shooter drills, we must also consider the impacts of these effective exercises on our community's mental well-being, said Fitzpatrick. We cannot continue to bury our heads in the sand when it comes to gun violence and the effect it has on our children. By conducting a comprehensive study on the potential mental health impacts of lockdown or active shooter drills in schools, we can ensure that our safety measures do not inadvertently harm the emotional well-being of our children, said Mace. This act will provide valuable insights that can guide the development of effective and compassionate protocols, ensuring both physical safety and mental resilience for our students. We remain committed to working towards creating safer learning environments for all of our children, regardless of where they live and go to school. On February 14, 2018, my son was at school just down the street when the mass shooting took place at my high school, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, and 17 innocent people were murdered. He was hiding in a closet on lockdown, said Moskowitz. My community has lived with the trauma ever since, and we now live in a world where our children are forced to conduct active shooter drills regularly, which undoubtedly impacts their mental health and way of life. This legislation will help us better understand the consequences of these unfortunate but necessary drills on our children and help us put forward a holistic approach to keep our kids safe in school. The School Safety Drill Research Act would address the gaps in understanding by studying and identifying the best practices to maximize the effectiveness of school safety drills. It would also fund the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine to examine the possible mental health effects of active shooter drills, lockdown drills, and other firearm violence prevention activities in schools on school staff and students, including younger children and children with disabilities. That story bipartisan bill introduced to address the mental health implications of school lockdown and active shooter safety drills. And finally, Buena Vista Board of Education hears public comment on BVEA. This posted by Carly Winchell. Representatives of the Buena Vista Education Association asks again for their concerns to be addressed. The July 10th Buena Vista BV Board of Education meeting was kept quite short with three members, Board President Suzette Hockman, Director Lynn Montoyo, and Secretary Tracy Storms, absent for the evening. About 10 members of the public attended with the public comment focused on supporting the Buena Vista Education Association, BVEA, which was not on the regular agenda. Their message Speaking out against the board's previous decision during their June 26th meeting not to officially recognize the organization. Members of the BVEA in attendance wore matching blue shirts in solidarity with one another. Public comment. Kevin Wallach spoke of educator retention. Wallach was a social studies teacher at Mountain Valley School in Sawatch until he recently accepted a teaching position in Gunnison. Wallach said the relationship between educators and the school board deteriorated in a similar manner as he is seeing in Buena Vista, 
adding that in Sawatch, this led to a high turnover rate of around 40%. Wallach's decision to leave Ferguson came down to improved working conditions. What was more important to me than pay is that educators there feel valued and listened to, said Wallach. He gave credit to collective bargaining for that atmosphere. Despite improved working conditions, Wallach was upset to make the decision to leave Sawatch in the first place. He expressed worry for the students who will suffer due to the loss of a significant number of trusted teachers. Wallach urged the BV board not to go down the same path. When you value your staff, you value your students, said Wallach. Do not lose them. Don't do that to students in this community. Choose a different path. Next up for public comment were three BVEA members who stood up and spoke together. Fifth grade teacher Carolyn Kirby, elementary paraprofessional Sarah Case, and elementary librarian and teacher Bonnie Grover made the case for school employees. The BVEA comments were respectful yet firm as they explained again that the CEA, Colorado Education Association, resolution has no impact on BVEA and how they conduct themselves locally. To be clear, BVEA has taken no action in response to any actions from the Delegate Assembly, nor have we asked for any action from the Board on that matter, said Kirby, the first of the three to speak. We have not made any asks for any changes to classroom curriculum, nor do we understand where the board got the impression that our local members were asking for these changes, she added. And that's all we have time for. Thank you for joining us for the Arc Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.